2: The best in the world podcast with Richard Parr.
3: Hello and welcome to the 100th episode of the best in the world with Richard Parr. I am so glad we have made it here. I think we can all agree there have been some amazing lessons learnt Over the 100 world and Olympic champions, world record holders and world number ones that I've had the pleasure of speaking to over the last two years. Thank you if you've been part of this journey so far. Thank you if you're listening for the very first time. If you do enjoy this podcast, please go back and listen to some of the others ...that I have produced before. It's all at Acast, iTunes, Stitcher... ...and of course at Sportacino.com. And I think we'll all agree that... ...it's a perfect guest for the 100th episode. It is the fastest woman in the world. It's Tori Bowie. You might remember at the 2017 World Championships in London... ...Tori dipped to the line in dramatic fashion... To win the 100 metres title, it was an incredible visual spectacle and a real perfect way for her to continue her journey in her career. She was a bronze medalist at the last world championships. She won silver in Rio de Janeiro and finally took gold in London. And we talk about that journey. We talk about how she transitioned as a long jumper, She also talks about her year ahead in 2018 and I ask her out of all the medals she's won because she's also been a relay gold medalist at the Olympics, at the World Championships so I ask her which medal she cherishes the most. I think you'll be quite surprised at the one that she picks and she gives us an insight into her diet, her technique, her daily routine and also talks about working with the NBA star Carmelo Anthony. And that was for a fashion shoot for Valentino. All of that is going to be told as part of Tori's amazing story in this week's Best in the World with Richard Parr. And we couldn't have done it without your support and without you wanting to learn from the very best. And... We're looking to create this community a little bit further using Patreon and I've actually got a dictionary definition of what Patreon is. Patreon is a membership platform that provides business tools for creators to run a subscription content service as well as ways for artists to build relationships and provide exclusive experiences to their subscribers or Patreons. So that's what Patreon is, and the best in the world with Richard Parr has been a part of Patreon for a few months now, but we really do need your help, we need your support, and what you can do is you can support us with a little bit of money. It starts as low as as $1, but there's different tiers, and, and the more that you contribute, the more you get out of the service, and the more you help us produce it. So what you can do is go to patreon.com forward slash best in the world, take a look at that, see if you want to be part of this community, see if you want to continue to help us produce these podcasts because I've got some really great guests coming up and I'd like to get even more but there comes a point where I can only do it for free for so long so if you do get a chance to support us I'd really appreciate it. I'll read it out to you one more time, it's patreon.com dot com forward slash best in the world and on the show notes page of this podcast there's a link to it as well so i'd really appreciate it if you do get a moment to check it out and and support the show all right let's get to it it's episode 100 people i can't wait for you to hear it it is my conversation with the women's 100 meters world champion she is the best in the world it's tori Bowie.
2: The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr.
3: Tori Bowie, 100 metres world champion. Welcome to the Best in the World with Richard Parr. Obviously, that victory was just a few months ago. How does it feel being called world champion?
4: Um, You know, it's a great feeling. Um, I must say that it has me extremely motivated, um, and just want to continue to do more. Mm.
3: What, what, what are your current targets? What are your current goals?
4: Um, so for 2018, um, I would love to show up and do. I would love to make the team in in the long jump. Mm. Um, you know, outside of that, um, I just plan to run more 200s and um just just kind of see what the season takes me
3: mm, fantastic because y- you were initially more of a-, a long jumper weren't you and then you- you've made the transition to more sprinting in the last few years but well, when did that happen
4: um it happened in year of 2014 okay so i um I don't know, it just, it happened, everything happened really fast, my life changed really fast, I went to, I made the team for the 2014 team, I think it was held in Poland that year, and you know, I went in, I was ranked like number one in the world, and things like that, and I got there, and and it it just didn't go well, I I must say, I think I got there, and I not even make the finals um, of the long jump. And I remember calling my manager afterwards, and I was just really upset. And I just wanted to, like, make a change. I wanted to do something different with my life. I wanted just, I don't know, I just wanted to, a challenge. And um, we decided that I was. I decided I decided wanted to focus on the sprints. And she just found me a sprint coach, and I just came out here and tried it out for two weeks, and I've been here ever since.
3: <laughs> I'm now a world champion at it, so it seems to be a, a good decision. <laughs> well, when you were going through that process, was it? there even a thought of stepping away from athletics completely?
4: Um, I think I've thought about stepping away from athletics completely a few times, <laughs> not just once. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I think that that's just how it is when things are not going well, and you know, we feel defeated at the moment. So, yeah, I felt like that a few times, but I have a great support team. You know, a great support system overall, and. You know, everyone has managed to try to keep my hair together. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, what would you be doing if you weren't Tori Bowie, the uh, the world champion sprinter?
4: Um, if I wasn't at this, at the at this moment, right now, um, um,
3: at this moment, or, or or back in those more difficult days and those difficult moments?
4: Oh, it's a hard question. Because I don't know what I'll be doing. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I know that, I know in previous years that I always wanted to be a dentist. And I kind of got off track with that, you know, when I chose a college that, it, that didn't even have a dentistry program. You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I kind of got off track with that real fast. Um, but yeah, I kind of always wanted to be a dentist and I said I want to like fix smiles and things like that um so I'm
3: not sure what i would be doing right now it's a hard question oh wow and you mentioned there that you had some difficult moments where you you contemplated moving away from athletics has there been one biggest failure in your career which you actually feel has helped you improve that has has made you better. Is there one turning point, one moment which you found really hard, but have actually a- appreciate now?
4: Um, I think the moment I appreciate the most is when I tore my hamstring in 2014. Um, I was at a Diamond League meet out in Birmingham that year, and I tore my hamstring, and you know that was my first injury ever while doing athletics. And you know I feel like it has changed my entire career overall because at that moment I had to learn how to i learned to appreciate therapy <laughs> and you know i learned to appreciate just stretching and eating right and things like that so at that moment i felt like, that's what changed my career
3: what do what you like when you're injured are you, are you grumpy or do you uh take it for what it is
4: during the injury
3: when, when um, after you suffer the injuries, you know some people can really not cope with them very well mentally. How, how do you cope?
4: Um, in the beginning, I think it was real tough in the beginning, you know, mentally because I didn't know what to expect, and you know I've seen a lot of people come not come back from injuries, if that makes sense. Mm. But um, so I suffered a little bit in the beginning mentally, but overall um once i was determined once i made my mind was determined to come back from the injury i think things just started going more smoothly as far as recovering Mm.
3: and you mentioned eating more uh healthy there obviously that that's one thing we discuss a lot in this program because we're trying to find out what you do to become the very best give us an idea of what your diet looks like what what would you typically eat in a day
4: my diet is probably not um, anyone else's. It wouldn't be anyone else's typical diet. Oh my gosh, because <laughs> I don't have like a lot of sugars in my diet. You know, most of my sugars come from probably powerades, cetera. You know, probably sweet potatoes or something like that. So I'm I'm more of an um, organic eater. You know, um, just a lot of fruits and vegetables and. You know, I get my meats here and there, and so um, <laughs> not a lot of not a lot of you know cookies. And you get what I'm saying. Mm. Do you cook? Yeah.
3: Well, what, what's I your top cook, dish?
4: I cook. My top dish would be probably my fish and grits. I love fish and I love grits. So.
3: <laughs> okay, I'm English here. You're going to have to explain grits to me, Tori. What, what are grits?
4: I think grits is more like a porridge. Okay. Um, yeah, it's more like a porridge. You know, we just throw some butter in with some sugar and Yeah. Mm. cook some fish to go along with it. So I think that's probably my best dish right now.
3: Oh, that sounds good. And obviously you travel the world with your job, competing all around the globe. Do you take any particular food or a- anything with you which you might not be able to get elsewhere?
4: Probably just protein bars or something like that. Just to try to make sure I'm getting some type of fuel while I'm on the road. Mm. Um...
3: Are you a good traveler? do you Do you enjoy that part of the the experience?
4: Um. Well, that's where my weakness come in at because I'm real strict about what I put into my body. Mm. So when it comes to traveling, um, I'm I'm, I, I'm usually I usually get a little distracted
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: because it's not my norm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. So. Uh, Right now, that's something that I'm trying to learn to appreciate still. Mm. Um, Yeah.
3: And we mentioned some of your food there. And, again, we like to get an idea of of what your training day is like. Why don't you just give us an idea of what a typical training day is like for you, like the time you get up, how long you're training for, what you're working at, please?
2: Uh,
4: I'm usually waking up around 7.30. Um. I'm trying to get out to do it by 8.30, and I'm still usually late. I'm working on that, too. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I'm supposed to be a practice around 9. And um, we usually finish every day around o'clock.
2: 2 then- Um
4: So I usually start my session at the track every day. We I mean, get the track for about two hours or so, two and a half hours or so. Um, I may take a tiny little break in between my track session and my weight session. Try to grab some lunch, and then I'm usually heading up to the gym right afterwards
3: to try to get my strength work in. Mm. And and when is when is your day done? And and how do you unwind?
4: Um, my day is normally over probably around three o'clock. You know, after therapy. Um, and then I get back home around three thirty. You know, and that's when I start my that's my being wind down you I'm trying to take a shower I'm trying to get some good food in my system to recover for the next day mm.
3: do you uh do you read do you watch tv shows what, what what are you doing when you're just chilling
4: um typically like I'm doing now I'm usually trying to I'm usually on a call I'm usually um <laughs> um you know I'm reading um yeah, watching some TV shows, trying to catch up with my family. I stay in touch with my family, um, a lot. I'm really close to my family. Um, just and just you know, just pre- being creative, just trying to come up with different, different mm-hmm. um avenues for Booy
2: The best in the world podcast
3: with Richard Parr. We'll learn more from Tori in just a moment. But if you're listening to this podcast, it probably means that you're interested in audio content. And as well as podcasts, what's really great to listen to is audiobooks. And it's something that I do all of the time using Audible. And the people at Audible are offering you a free 30-day trial to test out their service. All you've got to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash best. That's audibletrial.com forward slash best. And it includes one free audiobook download. And I'm going to give you a recommendation today. It's one by the comedian Joe Lycett. It's called Parsnips Buttered. I know I have a podcast about sport, but I'm more than just sport. I like all different types of genre, in particular comedy. And Joe is an English stand up comedian. He's been on many different chat shows in the UK and he does a lot of stand-up throughout the country and he has created his first audio book, uh, his first book as well. Called Parsnips Buttered, and it actually reminds me a bit of a book I really loved about 10 years ago. It's called The Time Wasters Diaries by Robin Cooper. I haven't actually checked, it's on Audible, I should check that out. But just as a, a normal paperback, hardback book, I read that book and I absolutely loved it. And Robin would effectively write all of these random, slightly pointless letters to these companies. And it's something similar that Joe Lysett has done. Uh, normally in, in the face of bureaucracy, normally to things against parking fines or the people which own his office space, it's a very, very funny book. Little bit random at times, I'll be honest, he, he has quite a interesting sense of humour, not very common sense of humour, but I really enjoyed it, I highly recommend it. So if you do decide to use Audible, you do decide to use your one free credit on an audiobook, I highly recommend Joe Lysip's Parsnips Buttered. Go and check that out. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash best to try out their service and perhaps listen to Joe Lysip's book. All right, let's return to my conversation with the best in the world. It is the women's 100 meters world champion, Tori Bowie
2: the best in the world podcast with Richard Barr.
3: You mentioned your family there. Uh, who's been the, the, the biggest influence on, on your life and your career?
4: Um, that's a hard question because right now i probably say my sister and, um, my
0: day right
4: now.
1: Mm.
0: Um. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
4: My grandmother has been the greatest influence in my life overall. You know, she the person who rescued me um, at the age of two, you know, when I went into foster care um you know she kind of rescued both me and my sister and and raised us both um but you know right now i say within my career with my sister and my father
3: okay and obviously uh, the story of your your grandmother raising you and your sister and and she's already had quite a, a few children of her own that she'd raised as as well what was life like growing up there and and when when did you also realize when you were growing up that athletics was going to be your world it was going to be what you're going to do or or, or did that just happen naturally
4: well athletics has always been my life you know um growing up i never was allowed to just like you know, wake up and sit around. You know, you wake up and with my grandmother basically told me to go outside and and <laughs> find something productive to do. So I was always outside with my my um, older cousins. You know, where we were playing basketball or um, racing, fishing. It was always something to do. So this has been basically how I was raised my entire life and kind of how I was involved and in put athlete.
3: Mm. today. Fantastic. And, of course, your sister was uh, a very good athlete as well. Did it help having a bit of sibling rivalry? Did you have sibling rivalry, in fact?
4: You know, we did. Um, I think we, we had that rivalry, but we just never took the heart. It was always like, you know, we've been competitive secretive. Because uh, my sister and I both did the 100 meter in high school, even although we never trained for it or we never took it seriously, but we we both did it, and um, uh, it was always fun. <laughs> <laughs>
3: and yeah. During uh, college, you were, you mentioned basketball. There, you're also a very good basketball player. How how seriously did you take the basketball? Could that have been? another avenue for you in, in, instead of athletics when you were growing up?
4: Yeah, it could have been because I had to make a decision in high school. I had to decide whether or not I wanted to choose basketball, whether or whether I wanted to choose college. And, and I ended up making a decision to choose track and field. I had scholarships for um, both for both sports.
3: And why why athletics in the end? So obviously it was the the right decision, as as you proved. But what what was the feeling at the time?
4: Um, just narrowing it all down. You know, I was like, oh my god, I'm not even. I, at the time, I was like playing the position, the four. I was playing the position as a four, and mm-hmm. that's considered as the forward position. And I was like, um, with my height and size, I feel like when I went to college, I wasn't probably going to get much playing time. So I feel like I just should have just decided to focus on athletics.
3: Mm, fantastic. And obviously, you then become a, a professional athlete and you go to Beijing and you earn a bronze medal in the, in the 100 meters. How was that world championship experience for you?
4: I mean, that world championship experience was just, you know, I was just lost. <laughs>
2: lost?
0: Wow.
4: <laughs> because, yeah, lost because I didn't even know what I was doing or where, where I was. You know, I just kind of, like, became a professional athlete in 2014, and then 2015 I ended up being at the world championship, mm. um, competing for a title. Didn't even really know what I was competing for at the time. Um but it was fun, and you know I've learned from it,
3: yeah, what were the biggest things you learned, Tori?
4: Um, I've learned how to compete um since then since two thousand and fifteen. I've learned how to compete, and um I've learned actually what it takes to to actually become a champion, so um, I just used two thousand and fifteen as a stepping stone to get where I'm at now
3: what- what are those things then to become a champion what, what can can you explain them
4: um well, you know I think from two thousand and fifteen I come into a program and i didn't actually know what kind of work it takes to become a champion you know i've come in i come into the program and i and i and i um and I would do the work don't get me wrong, I would do the work or the entire program I'm supposed to do but I didn't know what kind of effort or what kind of determination that actually takes to put in you know to become the champion and along the years you know that's um that's what I've learned (laughs) that it takes a little bit more than what we're actually doing. Mm.
3: Have you spoken to any previous champions and, and tried to learn from them?
4: No, I, I didn't get it. I haven't spoken to any previous champions. I wish I would have. Mm. Um, yeah, it's for me, it's just been more of a learning experience. Like, oh, I felt a little short this time. And, you know, it always falls back to me. I was like, well, maybe if I want to, you know, not skipped a gym day or gym session. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or, you
4: know, maybe if I want to put a little bit more weight on the bar. Or, you know, it always goes back to just being a learning experience from what I didn't do.
3: Mm. Uh, and, and and I mentioned uh, former champions there as well. And uh, fast forward a, a year later, you're at the Rio Olympics and you, you earn a silver medal. Um, but one of the people you beat there was Ann Fraser-Price, who is one of the greatest sprinters of all time. Uh, how was Rio for you? With, with what you had in mind? What 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 were your goals for Rio to begin with?
4: Um, I mean, the 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 perfect scenario would have been to leave with three gold medals. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
4: but I don't know. I don't really know if I had goals for Rio. I just wanted to. I think my goal was to try to leave with some hardware in every event. And, um, you know, just to show that you know I was here, you know it's my first Olympics, and I would have been just happy to leave hardware and with I would have been happy to leave the hardware in every event. I think I did that, so um, I'm extremely thankful for for my results in Rio. Mm,
3: yeah a, a bronze in in the two hundred uh, one hundred meters silver, and then gold as part of the relay uh is there one of those that, that mean the most to you?
4: I think the one that means the most to me is my bronze. And that's because that's I got my bronze in a 200 meter. And I remember going into the finals of a 200 meter. And I remember being so, I was I was exhausted. And I was like, there's no way I can finish this race. And I got on the line. And I was like, my goal was to finish. And I ended up getting you
3: know a bronze medal so that's my favorite one. Mm. Yeah, it's I I guess it's about what what you define as well, isn't it? And 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 yeah, that that bronze is is what what you you achieved and that's fantastic. Um moving on a year later, you're in London, you've had a bronze in the 100s at the world championships. You've had a silver in Rio and then you got the gold in London, did you just feel that it was going to be your year with that almost progression that you'd had?
4: Um no, I thought it was going to be my year because of the mentality that I found
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> mm. um and you know i um and, and and it takes a lot of confidence to go out there and and Think that you're that you're the one to be, you know. Mm. And I found I finally found that in in 2017 that you know, hey, I'm going to go show up and I'm going to be the athlete to be. And um, that's what I found in 2017: the confidence and the mentality to have to actually win it. Anyone can have, you know, the physical ability, you know. And I think it just the mentality just takes you to a whole different level.
3: Mm. With that mentality, has it become part of your pre-race process? Is there anything you in particular do before a race?
4: No, the mentality comes from putting the work in and training. Mm. You know, um, like I said in previous years, there's things that I didn't do and didn't. I just didn't come in with the confidence I needed. So it's but yeah, the confidence just comes from just doing. Taking care of the um, work outside of the competition. Mm.
3: Uh, On on the day of a race, though, do you have any particular routine or ritual that you go through?
4: Um, typically, no. I'm just trying to stay
2: relaxed,
4: you know. Just trying to stay relaxed. Trying to make sure I have enough nutrients in my system, and um, just kind of trying to think about the training that I've done. That's normally what I try to um, do on competition day, and you know, trying to call my sister, or my father, and you know, we're talking about everything, and they trying to keep me relaxed. Mm.
3: And that hundred meters final was incredible, and at such amazing speed. I, I don't know if if you have an answer, but, uh, you, you were you're quite behind Tarlu at the time, and then maybe the last. 30 to 40 meters you caught up with her and then you just dipped to beat her at the line what was going through your mind from about halfway onwards
4: um i think i stopped thinking about
3: halfway (laughs) (laughs) that's what made you go faster i don't think i was thinking
4: anymore (laughs) yeah i stopped thinking uh uh, cause I know my, I know my weakness and my strength and, you know, um, I think my weakness is, is in the beginning of the race or has been the beginning of the race, come out the blocks. And I know where my strength is, you know, it's in the, the last 40 minutes of the race. So, you I know, think after, after about the last 50, I just stopped thinking and, and just <laughs> went after it, went forward.
3: Did you think you'd won?
4: Well, I thought I did, but I didn't know. Yeah. Because they, you know, it hasn't, it wasn't told to scream or anything. But, yeah, I just tried to sit there and wait until they um, put it on the scoreboard.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Have you always dipped to the line like you did? Because it, it was quite a thrust towards the end.
4: Well, um, yeah, I always lean like that. Mm. Um, if it's a close race, then you better believe that Tory Boo is going to lean. So I'm not going to leave nothing out there on the track. (laughs) And that's exactly what I did um, in London. And and it it just so happened that it worked that day.
3: Has life changed since that day?
4: Not really. Um, I just try to keep things the way that it's been been. Um, I feel like, I feel like, why change now? You know, this is working. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just continue to keep this going, and you know that's been my mentality. And I and I just pray that it can stay that way. Mm.
3: And I've seen, away from the track, that you recently did some modeling with Valentino. How was that?
4: It was so fun. Um, it was fun. I enjoyed. You know, um, I got to take a take a, you know. <laughs> I just got to go to a different, a totally different scenario, if that makes sense. Mm. You know, sports world to the fashion world. And I don't know. I mean, I would love to do more of it.
3: Oh, fantastic. And you you spent some time with Kamalo Anthony as well, right? Oh yeah. What was he like?
4: Um, he was a real laid back dude, real down to earth. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought
3: that, but yeah, he, this he's Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And, and and your Tory Bowie, uh, I I just want to mention one thing because you mentioned. Uh, uh, becoming a dentist i've actually just seen on my desk that uh, i'm i'm due my uh, appointment for my reminder for my checkup so I, I need to get on to that um thank you for reminding me uh it's been really good You're to kinda... speak to you today tori uh just before we go can you just let us know where we can continue to follow your journey on social media on twitter instagram or anything like that please sure
4: so you can follow me on instagram at one or buoy and at Twitter is just simply Tori Bowie. Um, I do have a website now and it is called Tori it's you can reach that um by clicking type in Tori dot net. Yep.
3: We will get on to it. Well, Tori, it's been so great to talk to you. Thank you for being on the program and thank you for being the best in the world.
4: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
2: The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr.
3: It was really great to speak to Tori on the 100th episode of The Best in the World with Richard Parr. And we've spoken to some other athletics, sprinting greats in the past. Maybe you want to go back to episode 40 when I speak to Veronica Campbell Brown. The multiple time Olympic champion sprinter from Jamaica. I've also spoken to Darren Campbell. He was a 4 by 100 meters Olympic champion. That's all the way back at episode 12. I've also had the pleasure of speaking to other track and field stars such as Katerina Stefanidi, the pole vault Olympic champion. That's episode 67. Episode 65 with Michelle Carter, the shot put Olympic champion. Jeff Henderson. That's episode 33, the long jump champion Brian Clay, episode 26, Decathlon Olympic champion, the 10,000 metres world champion Liz McColgan's episode 24. And coming up in a few weeks, I've got another Relay superstar who has got an amazing story. I speak to Derek Redmond's. You do not want to miss it. And to make sure that you don't miss it, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, on Acast on Stitcher. So even if you are having a very busy week forgetting about things, then you will have that podcast go straight into your phone, straight into your listening device, and it will remind you that you can listen and learn to the very best on The Best in the World with Richard Parr. I'm absolutely delighted to have reached 100 episodes, and I really have learned a lot from these athletic superstars. And I like to give a little bit more context. I like to give a few more of my news and views on a weekly email and you can sign up for it by going to sportochinocom forward slash email. I would love for you to be part of that community, part of the Patreon community and I would love for you to listen to our next episode, episode 101 coming out next Thursday. You do not want to miss it. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Richard Parr and I will speak to you again soon. Goodbye.
2: The Best in the World
3: podcast with Richard Parr.